Good morning, this is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of Love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, today I want to talk to you about what is undoubtedly the strangest book in the Bible, the book of Revelation, also called in some older scriptures the book of the Apocalypse. I say the strangest because the plot is probably the oddest of any book in the Bible. The events are the most interesting and bizarre plagues and battles, both on earth and in heaven, involving angels, Satan, human armies, characters that are among the strangest in any literature of any time. Also a book that is so symbolically rich that it's open to a wide variety of interpretations and has been interpreted a million different ways over the centuries. I use that term, by the way, a million different ways. Seriously. Last night, just out of curiosity, I went onto the Internet and I typed in Book of Revelation. Up came 2.8 million different websites about this book. It has inspired an awful lot of commentary and an awful lot of interest. There is, I think, another reason for this. The Book of Revelation is the last book of the Bible. It is literally God's last word to us. And so Christians for the past 2,000 years have been very interested in this final word that God is speaking to his people. In recent years, the book of Revelation has become enormously important and enormously popular. And I'll mention a couple reasons why. One is the series of books written by Hal Lindsey. Remember he wrote The Late Great Planet Earth. Lindsey is back in the 70s. He inaugurated a, a, a tradition in recent times of reading the book of Revelation as a very detailed prediction of what is going to happen soon. God's judgment, Christ's return, and this battle, this literally apocalyptic battle that will happen at the end of time. Lindsay's ideas became very popular in the 70s and 80s, especially in more evangelical circles. And then just in the last several years, there's been a publishing phenomenon. I don't know if you've heard about it or seen it, but the series of books called Left Behind. There are, I think, about seven or eight of them now. I, I bought a couple just to see what they're about. They're books about the rapture, Jesus coming back, rapturing, taking away his loyal disciples, and then all of the terrible events leading up to the end of the world. And the Left Behind series relies in a detailed way on the book of Revelation to predict what's going to happen. Now, what do we make of all this? How do we read this book? Catholics, we read it all during the Easter season. If you listen carefully at Mass, the second reading, all during the seven weeks of the Easter season, is taken from the book of Revelation. So how do we approach it? How do we read it? Well, I want to take something very seriously, namely the title of the book, 
apocalypsis in Greek, revelatio in Latin. They mean taking away the veil, revealing something. If this book is simply about what will happen at the very end of time, then it has not been a revealing text over the past 2,000 years. Some scholars say it's only about the first century. It reveals what was going on in the first century as the church was getting underway. Well, if that's all it means, then it doesn't reveal anything to us. I think the book of Revelation reveals very deep truths about ourselves, about the world, about Christ, and about his kingdom. Past, present, and future. Is it a prediction of the future? Yes, in some ways it is. Is it a description of what happened 2,000 years ago? Yes. And is it describing and revealing truths about us now? Yes. I think otherwise we wouldn't read it. Otherwise it would not be God's word speaking to us now. So what does it reveal? I'd state it this way. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ, crucified and risen, is the Lord of history. As he says himself in this book, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end. I am the one who explains all of history and who is the Lord of all history. Those who side with Jesus Christ, crucified and risen, are those who will win the victory. To be opposed to him is to be on the losing side of history. I think that's the great revelation of this book. We know that God is Lord. We know that in Christ he's established his victorious lordship over history. And now it's time for us to get on board. Christians, is that a message that was relevant 2,000 years ago? Yes. Will it be relevant at the end of time? Yes. And is it relevant today? Absolutely. In that sense, this revealing book is one that we need to look at carefully. What I want to do today, if I have time, is say maybe just a couple of things about the beginning. Maybe the next couple of weeks I'll continue uh, walking through this book with you. But just a few things now at the beginning of the book. It's written by the Apostle John. I, John, so the author of the Gospel, the fourth evangelist, is identified as the narrator of this book. He's no longer the young John of the Gospels, the beloved disciple leaning on the breast of Jesus. He's now an old man, the end of his life. He's on the island of Patmos. And he receives a series of visions that reveal to him these deep truths I was talking about. The first vision he receives is one of the risen Christ. He hears a voice like a trumpet behind him. I love that symbol. When you're in a room and suddenly a trumpet is played, I think of all the instruments, it's the loudest and the most authoritative. It cuts through any sound around it. So John hears the voice of Christ like a trumpet cutting through all the competing sounds around him. This is the voice now to listen to. He turns around. What does he see? He sees Christ standing in his risen glory. His hair and his beard are white. He's in a white robe with a gold sash around it. And his face, John says, is luminous. Coming from his face is light. 
Here's a great symbol in all the Johannine literature. I mean the Gospel, John's letters, and now this book of the Apocalypse. Light and darkness. Remember, in fact, last week I talked about it. When Judas betrayed Christ, John says, and it was night. They fished all night and caught nothing. But at the daybreak, when Christ appeared, the light, then they were able to fish successfully. So here now, the risen Christ, he's gleaming white, light coming from his face. In Christ we see. That's the point here. We're people that walk in darkness. And now we've seen a great light, the light of the risen Jesus. Secondly, in a wonderful image, strange, like so many in this book, coming out of his mouth is a great sword. If you look at the South Rose window at Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris, it's a window based upon this book of the Apocalypse. If you look right smack in the center of it, there stands Christ, and it's such a small figure, you can barely see him, but coming out of his mouth is this great two-edged sword. We Christians fight and this book's going to say it very clearly. We Christians fight in the course of our history. And we fight with the sword of the Word of God, the Word that comes from the mouth of Christ. We're illumined by Him, and now we fight with His Word. That's the symbolism here, I think. Now, the risen Christ begins to speak to John. And he says, I've got a task for you. I want you to carry messages to seven churches. I remember Christians in the very beginning, 2,000 years ago, the Christian church was largely focused in that northeastern corner of the Mediterranean. Christian churches were in the Holy Land, you know, Palestine, present-day Syria, and largely Asia Minor, Greece, and outpost in Rome. But they were focused around that northeast corner. So Jesus sends messages out to seven churches in this little area. There are also messages to our churches. That's why we read this book to this day. The seven churches of Asia Minor could also be seven churches in America, seven churches in Europe, seven churches in Africa. I want to focus on the last message he gives. And here I'm following Fulton J. Sheen. I heard a tape of his some years ago. And he's commenting on this opening of the book of Revelation. And he says, of all the seven churches... The one that is most like our church in America is the last one, the church of Laodicea. Listen to what Jesus says to this church. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. For you say, I'm rich. I've prospered. I need nothing. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Those are hard words. They were hard words for that church to hear, and they're hard words for us to hear. I know you, the Lord says. You're neither hot nor cold. I'd prefer it if you were hot or cold. What does he mean? I'd prefer it if you were either on fire with the gospel or that you were opposed to it. At least that way you'd have some energy, spiritual energy. You know, it's been said by some of these scholars that the great atheists are really full of the Spirit. And there's something right about that. You know, someone who's got the energy to deny God is very interested in religious things. 
The Lord here seems to be saying, I'd almost prefer it if you were hot or cold. But the fact is, you're lukewarm. It's as though you're indifferent. It's as though you're too complacent, that you just can't rouse yourself to worry about spiritual things. And that is the one I will vomit out of my mouth. The church of the Lord is chastising here is a complacent church, a bland, beige, flattened out church. Now, what's the reason for it? Now, hear it from 2,000 years ago and also hear it addressed to us today. For you say, I'm rich, I've prospered, I need nothing. Well, that is a kind of American voice, isn't it? You know, we're, we're rich. We have all the material things we need. We've conquered the world. We're the last remaining superpower. Our lives are convenient. So what need do we have of God? Now listen to the Lord. You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. What's he talking about? At a level much deeper than the economic and the political and the military and the cultural is the spiritual level. And what he's saying to a complacent, lukewarm church is, at that level, you see nothing. At that level, you are stripped naked. At that level, you are poor and wretched. That's a wonderful kind of wake-up call the Lord gives to that ancient church and to ours. Now, here's the good news that follows it. The Lord says, listen, I'm standing at the door, knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. Friends, we are sinners. We have in many ways turned away from the Lord. But here's this beautiful good news in this book of Revelation. Jesus stands at the door knocking. He wants into our lives. But look how he respects our freedom. He doesn't come bursting in, though he could. He stands knocking, inviting. May we have the courage and the grace and the humility to open the door. The book of Revelation is saying the meaning of life is given in Christ. Light and power are given in Christ. But we have to have the grace and the courage to open the door and let him in. I hope maybe next week and the following to say some more about this wonderful book of Revelation. And in the meantime, God bless. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you.